So now we, we've been discussing this whole thing about the Seichel and the Torah and how there's this, this, this intuitive understanding that we have of um, the world that's part and parcel of our natural framework. So the introduction of the Malbim to Mishle, where it goes a little bit in depth. I'm going to do it actually inside the words. And the Malbim begins with the following statement. And you can follow this inside if you have a Malbim in the beginning on the first passage. He explains, the, the verse is, let us um, that the, the purpose of the Sefer is, um, actually think it's possible, the second passage. Ladas Chochma Musa Lahave Imre Bina. The Malbim goes, What does it mean, Ladas Chochma? What does Ladas Chochma mean? So the Malbim says as follows Where my cursor is, it says like this. Um, one second. Um, the definition of is to know in all character traits and patterns of habit and habits themselves. So he's speaking about that Chochmah is in the raw material of life, in the way that we interact with the different challenges and realities of living as a human being. So there's many different options which are constantly open to us. And sometimes they are, have a whole spectrum, one being completely on the opposite side of the other. For example, on the one hand, you've got cruelty. On the other hand, you've got mercy. Gaiva, on the one hand, you've got arrogance, anova, and humility. Azus, you've got a person who's chutzpadik. Boish is a person who's shy. Achila, you've got eating. Um, you've got, you've got when, you, when, you, when you're eating. Soin, fasting. Kedusha, you've got sanctity, transcendence. Tumah, when you've got a person that's um, resilient and impurity. Shan So when you take one pathway, it's called chokma. Vehipucha sichlus, and the opposite is foolishness. The marshal, for example, is nagba ki chokma. To behave with humility is chokma. Well, is nagba who sichlus, but to behave with arrogance would be sichlus. The problem is the following. Lifamim a guy the chokma, but sometimes it's the other way around. That arrogance is chokma and humility is sichlus. Come on, negative shoyim is For example, you're dealing with really difficult people, and if you submissive towards them, they'll just completely make a shmata out of you. So then you have to stand up and you have to be very. Well, if only my and it's true of anything which the description of good or bad, pleasant or despicable, it's not clear which one is which because it's all dependent on context. 
but the Chochmah will teach you in what way to go, how, and when to use it. So this is reminiscent of the Havdil of a quote that we saw recently from, from um, Aristotle. Aristotle said that to get angry is not, is, not, is not hard, but to get angry with the right person at the right time to the right amount, that's really difficult. And that's what the, essentially what the Malbim is defining as Chochmah. To be kind is not necessarily hard, but to be kind to the right person at the right time to the right amount. To be harsh is not hard, but to the right person at the right time, it's always how much, when, and how. Chochmah is to be able to, to react, to respond, or to proact in every situation in exactly the right amount of that, that um, emotion or trait that's required for this particular situation. V'klahu, shedarka chochmah, i'efshar sheyavin ha'adam This is, now, now this could be a very challenging to what we've been learning until now. He says that that ability to know exactly what to eat, when to eat it, and how to eat it, or when to be happy to what degree and how, that is impossible for a person to understand from his own intuition, seichel abilities. And not only that, it can't be understood through a person's own intuitive awareness. It can't be proven through experimentation. The only way we can reach that level of chokhmah is by receiving it from a higher power. That he established those laws and he taught it in Tershah B'Ksav and Tershah Baal Peh. Tershah That in the Torah, he put down all the actions which are defined according to the ways of Chochmah. You can't know Chochmah. Because when you use the word Yedir, knowledge, you can only talk about something that you can know with clarity. Which is something that we can experience, we can, we can see through our senses. Or else through intuitive understandings, preconceived notions that we have. And this is impossible with Chochmah. You can't prove from experience and you can't reason it through understanding. The only way to get to Chochmah is by having a transmitted, uh, receiving it from a higher source. Kabbalah means to receive. In other words, the, the Chochmah we can't, we can't know. So, so this, this, this seemingly, this Malbim is going almost completely against everything we've learned until now. Um, the whole direction that we've explored um, until now is that Chochmah is something that you know from within inside yourself. And you know how to respond to, to um, situations, 
relationships by understanding the nature of the relationship and understanding its mechanism and by delving into the depth of how people work, like Yaakov and Esau, or like me and my friend, or like uh, him and his wife, that's how you understand. And that's learned out from the experience, and that's what a person is. That's what the Rabbi Yurchim said to us, that's what Rabbi Avram Gorginzi said to us, and now we meet a Melbourne, and the Melbourne seems to be saying precisely the opposite, that the ability to know in the moment where there are multiple choices of how to respond, there's no way that you can get it right. You can never know how to be, whether you're being too soft or too harsh, too loving or too cruel. That's something which is, which is impossible to find out. You can't prove it and you can't experience it through your senses. This is a problem. So I'm going to go a bit further, but I just want you to feel the incredible contrast. It's almost the polar opposite to what we're saying till now. Until now, the whole thrust of the Rebbe Ruchim and the Trace of Ram has been, there's this whole world of Seichel long before the world of Torah even gets up and running. And in that world of Seichel, you can navigate an incredibly complex life, which is totally aligned to the Ratz Nashem, and the way you access it is through learning up the reality of how Hashem's world is expressed through nature. And now comes the Malbim to say, there is no such thing. It's impossible to learn it up. You can't use your senses, and you can't use your preconceived notions. So that seems a direct and total um, opposite approach to, to the Teresa of Ram. Are you with me? So let's keep on going. Says, so that, so the, again, remember the context of the Malbim. The Malbim is commenting on this work of Shleim Amele called Mishlei. And the work of Shleim Amele called Mishlei is a set of parables or metaphors. And now the Malbim is going to justify what this introduction, what the goal of Mishlei is coming to do. Ulam zok Malbim. Ulam says the Malbim, Shleimoi al-yedeh in the previous paragraph, he left off by saying, you can never know Chochmah, because what you meant to use to know it. You can't use your intellectual understanding, and you can't use your empirical experience of the world. So how can you do it? It's something that you can't know. He said, Shlomo is going to teach us to know Chochmah. Why is that? He says, that's the power of a marshal. A marshal takes something which is not within my realm of experience, but through a story, it becomes accessible. Because really, for things to sit with me, for me to know them, to really know them, I need to be able to experience them. And a, a story is an experiential mode of education. It's not an intellectual mode of, of, in, of engagement. It's how I feel things, not how I know things. Out. But through these mashalim, a person will be able to develop the principles of Chochmah with a understanding. I want you to just, just almost go deeper into this point. And it's a point that I'm in my life right now struggling with. One of the questions I'm asking myself is what is the value of pedagogy? 
me coming in in front of you or in front of everyone and teaching you information. I'm questioning the value. And I'm questioning the value from two perspectives. First of all, for sure I, I, I get it and I've got it for a long time that teaching information in today's context is literally a waste of time for me to teach it. Because any information that I'm going to give you, you can really get hold of it yourself and it will be probably be expressed in clearer terminology. You can go online. And if you want me to tell you about, um, you know, about the rabbinic restrictions on, on, on Mukta, there'll be someone else there who's saying it better than me. And if you wanted me to tell you about the nature of Olam Haba, there'll be someone out there that's better than me. So if I'm here to give you information, so then there's a better way of doing it. So I, I get that. That, that, that. My point of view is not, not to give information. Um, okay, so what is my point to do? So my point is to give you insight. Great, so I get that. So I'll tell you where I was and where I am. Where I was was fantastic. I'm gonna create a platform of education where the thrust will be based on insight and not information. And therefore I'll challenge you by putting ideas out there and giving you time to reflect on those ideas. The question I'm asking myself is maybe that putting out ideas and reflection still won't produce any insight. Perhaps insight can only be when a person steps up, takes down an idea, and then starts to churn it over. But if I throw out an idea and you catch it, that's not going to create the churning. So I, I don't know, you, you can, I'm going to ask this question, I'm not going to ask you to answer it, but you can think to yourselves. For me, this last, it's an eight-week period where we've been really delving into this notion of Seichel and Teva and cause and effect has had a profile change in my life, which I think I've discussed a few times, like literally down to, it actually makes a difference which kind of toothpaste I'm gonna to use, because if it doesn't have fluoride, so then it's not gonna do what it needs to do for my teeth. Whereas beforehand, I was too religious to think about those things. And now I realize, no, that's not religious because my entire understanding of Hashem's relationship into the world of tangible cause and effect has shifted dramatically, and that's made real changes, I hope, in my life. I don't know if it's done it for anyone else in this room. And on the side that it hasn't, so then the question is, so what am I, what am I doing? And what are we doing? Why are we spending time doing this? What is the relevance and the value? Surely it would be better that I would say to you, okay, there's a 45-minute period or half-an-hour period where you can explore an idea by yourself and whatever you come up with, you will come up with. The, the reason I'm saying this in the context of the Malbim is because the Malbim actually addresses this point. He says that there's something which he calls Yadir. I'm going to call this a deep knowledge because he says you can't know these things until you've experienced them. And that's what Shema Melech has to use Mashalim because otherwise, it, you know, of course you can know them. He'll just teach you ideas. What's wrong with that? He'll teach you that this is the way to be. He says, it's not going to help because it won't be integrated and internalized. So we have the Malbim, and again, this, this isn't a science because the bigger picture over here is we have two seemingly vastly different approaches to how we approach life, ourselves and Torah. So I'm putting that, that, that like gigantic, chasmic difference aside for the moment to delve into this idea of what is knowledge all about and what is insight all about. And the other place where it has a, a deep repercussion is in a discussion that you and I may have, or you may have with your friends or with anyone. 
and you only tell them, you only share with them, perhaps let's say that, that they're approaching life in an ineffective fashion. So you go up to a guy, and like we all agree that if you go up to a person and um, he's having an issue, um, he's suffering from an addiction, or even not as profound as that, he's not taking care of his health, or, or, or he's, he's approaching, he's learning in the wrong way, and he's going to burn out, and you go over to him and you say, listen, buddy, you're just, like, you're just doing too much. Um, you have to slow down. Or I see that you're getting angry the whole time. You really have to, you know, figure out to do things differently because you're, you're like, your level of anger seems to be like a bit out of control. So is there any value in sharing that information with that person? And I would probably tend to say that, that there's extremely limited value to that kind of, to that kind of information. Um, and the reason why is because probably the person himself had the information beforehand as well. The person that's constantly getting angry or feels like he's being burnt out, he probably knows that. And you telling him it won't really solve anything. What he really needs to do is come to a self-realization of the fact that his behavior is not optimum or it's harmful. And then once he comes to that self-realization, then he'll change. For example, there's a person who's suffering from an alcohol addiction, just as, as an example. And uh, what happens is he, he's, not, he's not, not like severe in terms of like, it's literally every Thursday night, he just goes out and gets completely, completely plastered and he's just out of commission for the next day. Now, many of you may say, well, that's an alcoholic, then <laughs> that's what I do. But, but I think, um, no, there definitely be, be room to say that the person, if, if you know, if that's what he has to do every Thursday night, it's for, it's for sure, it's for sure in the realm of alcoholic. And, and, and you know, you go over to him and you say to him, listen buddy, this is like, this is not healthy. You're like, you know, this is just such a, you always regret the things you do when you're drunk and you wake up and you're like, literally you're earning like 48 hours of your life per week, like two days per week. Like, what's going on? Like, why are you doing this? Like, what's going on? You really got to stop this. And this guy will say, what do you mean? This is the way I have fun. I love doing this. I get so much out of it. It's not a waste of two days. It's the best way I could use my time and the insights I get and the way it just like, it makes my week worthwhile. Okay, end of discussion. You know, in other words, he would have to come and from his own internal perspective, recognize that this is really not the way to be. And until he gets there, so then all your information that you're sharing with him is water off a duck's back. It's just totally and utterly irrelevant. So, so it's interesting that you can argue, well, that's because in that situation, the person's got a really strong preconceived pull towards a given perspective. And therefore, well, how's he, how's he going to let go of that? Well, yes, but whenever anyone's doing anything, the reason why we're doing it is because we're getting something out of it. If we wouldn't be getting something out of it, we'd stop doing it. So actually, whenever you kind of raise an issue with a person, there's always that, that bias and that, that, that pull that he's going to face with. So, so therefore, is it ever worth really saying anything to anyone? 
um, you know, like if someone comes up to you and they say, listen, um, I'm really, I'm really upset about, uh, you know, I'm really upset about my relationship with this guy. So maybe the response should be, oh, oh. So then they'll say, well, you know, well, what's the answer? So you say, I don't know, what do you think? Like, why are, you, why are you upset with him? And really the only kind of engagement perhaps can be one of a, a question and answer of like, okay, you know, like, well, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe what you need is, I don't know, you tell me. And it has to come from inside. And any kind of outside prompting is, is just, is just um, maybe not effective. So that, that's on the one hand. But on the other hand, you see that Shlomo Melech did succeed in doing this. And the way he did it was through Mishalim. So, so maybe we've got room to actually go further with this, even this idea as we venture forward in the Malbim. Says the Malbim, just to drop further. The Asa Zeal Yidei, how did Shlema be able to teach, meaning give us the power of insight into ourselves and how to balance our lives? He taught us to know Chochma Musa. So he's going to explain what these things mean. So now, now I think the, 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 the difference, the gap is, is widening. Granted, the ways of Chochma are not only complementary, they're in opposition to Teva of a person. Person's teva opposes chokma. Why? Because the nature of the heart is to cause to arise on your heart. So here the 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 malbim goes into our what we'd call our mind, and therefore it's probably more accurate at this point at least to translate the word lave in the Malbim, which means hard to be mind. And he says, the nature of the mind is to be busy with all kinds of different thoughts, all different kinds of images, all different kinds of mental meanderings, which are actually opposite to clear, thought out vision. And he brings a pasuk that proves this. That the nature of a person's mind is ra. So he explains what ra means. Ra, we normally translate that as evil or not integrated or um, illusionary. And that's the nature of a person's mind from his youth. Says the Malbim, Your mind will give you visions of arrogance, lekina jealousy, lekama vengeance, lis achzer, cruelty chadoyne. Va'eli atziyurim aroim oli me'atzmam al halev. And these visions, these, these, these thoughts of jealousy and of anger and of cruelty just come up of their own volition to our mind. And because of them, there will be a battle that will ensue between these powers of desire and um, the power of, of 
which means awakening. Um, they will they will fight with the chokmah. And the person will naturally go after them, meaning naturally a person will be drawn after the teva, not the chokmah. Because chokmah is so foreign to a person's cognitive realm, it's so not part of his thinking system. Well, why would he follow it? It's like the opposite direction to the way he's thinking. Until it becomes impossible for him to stand against these um, thought processes, these thought patterns with his das. And the nature of himself is not going to oppose him. Because it's the opposite, that the ways of Chochmah totally contradict the nature of a person, person's natural being, his, his, his general state. That's why you need Musa. What is Musa? You have to um, like engage, confront, and bind, control your kirchas um, nefesh, your... Natural behavioral patterns, which are driven by this energy, lest they go out of the realms of chokmah. And you have to direct yourself not to choose the way of illusion or falsehood. So you have to make sure that they don't go over one side of doing something which is foolish. On the other hand, they can't be too much of doing too much good um, and therefore break the boundary that the Chochmah set for them. So, okay, that was, that was quite a complex paragraph. We have to go back to it. But we start to see a completely, completely different um, perspective of um, of really what what we what we're learning until now it's like it's almost like uh, the polar opposite um, okay so 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 there are a couple of questions but we're over time so I'm going to say let's let's stop and we have to maybe explore the mountain further because this is like pretty much rocked the boat that we're so safely on, uh, totally and utterly. And now we're going to have to go with this. And this could just be a radically different approach. And I think this is all based on Ari Jackson's question is like, well, how do, how do Torah and Chochmah stem? Meaning according to Rabbi Rucham, it seems to be that the Chochmah and Ram Bijinsky, the, the Chochmah, the Seichel Adam, is this already pre-programmed intuitive knowledge of how to make those boundaries that the Malbim discusses. And the Malbim says there's no such thing. On the contrary, left to own devices, we will break every single rule. We'll have no way of accessing the correct approach to life. So that sounds like a total and utter, you know, um, radically different. So, so I mean, I mean, how do you guys feel about having like, having like a different opinion? Should we just like forget the Malbim exists and like just kind of plan there about wrong? Because I mean, that was comfortable for us. And and I was loving that, and now like, now like I'm stuck. Like my whole gender is just gone out the window. It's like, what, what do you feel when like, you know when your gender's thrown out? How do you feel about that? So, do you know what I feel? I feel fantastic. I feel fantastic. <laughs>
Um, 